Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco. Or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco! Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of Photo Taco on the Improved Photography Network. Thanks for spending a few minutes of your day with me. I'm your host, Jeff Harmon, and I have one quick thing before we jump into today's topic. That's again asking for help with my JPEG Mini product review, evaluation, I'm not sure what you want to call it. I'm doing an in-depth kind of testing with the product, and I need your help to evaluate comparisons between a few photos. See if you can tell the difference, see if you can tell me which one's better than the other. You can go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash L-R-V-J-Mini, like Lightroom versus V L-R-V-J-Mini. I'll include the link in the show notes too so that you can get there. I really need help. I don't have enough feedback from people to really make a meaningful data set, so I need a lot more people to go help me out with that. So if you have some time, I'd really appreciate it. I'm going to close that. I'm going to close, uh, you know, taking that data on October 15th, 2016. So if you have some time this week, if you're hearing this ahead of that date and you had time before October 15th, really would appreciate you heading over there to that link and um, giving me some feedback on the images that are out there. Okay, now for today's topic. And it's a brave, brave question from Joshua Herrera. I'm really glad that he asked the question. He said, little background on me, purchased Canon 60D two years ago, and it came with an 18 to 135 millimeter kit lens. Purchased a nifty 50 at the same time based on recommendations from a friend. Since then, I purchased multiple lenses and a tripod, but every time I go to shoot, I still feel like I'm an amateur. At first, oh, and, and it's my first time out. I'm really not proficient in Lightroom, but a lot of that feels to me like it's because I don't have a great base image to start with. So all my Lightroom adjustments are not enhancing the image, they're trying to fix the image. Listen to all the improved photography, photo taco, and tripod episodes that are currently available on Google Play. Some things have helped, like the episode on the Milky Way, but only to a degree. It'd be awesome to have a podcast focused on amateurs and beginners, maybe a bit of a budget focus as well. DIY, recommendation on equipment, Tips and tricks for beginners, Adobe starter tips, building confidence, experience situations. Wow, what a topic. <laughs> what a question. Thanks again, Joshua. That was a really, really good question. Uh, I don't think we'll have nearly the time to get through all of that. In fact, I'm I'm worried this episode is going to run a little long as it is. So probably only going to cover you know, maybe half <laughs> of, of your question. But um, the first thing that I want to get across and the thing that I want you to take most away from this topic is you are absolutely 1000% not alone here. I don't think this is uncommon. I believe a lot of photographers go through this same thing. I know I did. I know I still feel like I'm there in a lot of situations. I, you know, I picked up my first DSLR Christmas of 2011, and I still feel like I have a lot to learn. Even skills I know a lot about and have experience with, like, say, bracketing. I did an entire podcast episode about bracketing, and then less than a week later, I completely blew a shot <laughs> with the sunrise where I didn't have enough EV separation in the bracketing. I know what I was supposed to do and I blew it. I just, the photos were unusable. They were so, so off in the exposure. So I know I have a lot to learn and I probably still will for quite some time. I'm a very strong believer in Malcolm Gladwell's assertion from his book, Outliers, that it takes 10,000 hours to practice and master a skill. I can't speak for any of the other arts like painting and sculpture, dance, music, or any of the others, 
But it seems to me that in today's world, the art of photography is perhaps maybe a little more challenging than it used to be. You have to be very adept at not only using the camera, but also using a computer. And everyone in the world is a photographer today. Everyone has these smartphones that do a pretty incredible job of capturing photos. So the the bar of what amateur means today and what they can do has been raised pretty significantly over what it used to be a long time ago. So maybe the same applies to other art forms, like uh, you know, computers have become so critical in so many aspects of our lives these days. But for the truly exceptional shots I'm sure you're comparing your work with, I'm willing to bet that a pretty even split between work with the camera and work with a computer went into producing that image. And, you know, maybe it isn't even just the 10,000 hours for for photography because it's more like mastering two skills today. So maybe it's more like 20,000, but let's just run with the 10,000 hours for now. Who might argue with Mr. Gladwell on that topic? How long should a person actually expect for it to take to obtain mastery in the art of photography when it's a 10,000 hour experience, when you need that much time with photography to make it work. Now, since Joshua asked about it, as someone who it seems like isn't doing it full time, we're gonna assume that you have, let's say 10 hours a week to spend on photography. Now, at first hearing that, you may be thinking 10 hours doesn't sound like much for a hobbyist who really wants to improve their craft but you have to think about the time you spend shooting or editing, not the time you spend traveling or preparing. It really has nothing to do with photography. And I think 10 hours a week may even be a bit of an overestimation of how much time a hobbyist could actually spend pushing the shutter button or dragging the sliders in Lightroom. But for the sake of illustration, let's let's say 10, okay? 10 hours a week. At 10 hours a week, it will take you nearly 20 years to get that 10,000 hours of practice and gain mastery over it. So think of it that way, Joshua. Have you been at it for 20 years? If not, don't give up. You got a lot, lot of time to spend to try to master it. Now, I'm not suggesting a person can't make significant improvement in a much shorter time frame. In my case, felt like I made a massive jump in the first two years of really investing my time into mastering photography. I know I told this story before, either on Improved Photography Podcast or here on Photo Taco, but shortly after getting my Canon 60, I shot the same camera you are, Joshua, for quite a while. In fact, I still have it, and that's my second shooter camera. That's the one that my wife uses. Um, After getting that at Christmas 2011, I was taking a whole bunch of blurry shots. My kids playing around the basement, and I was shooting. I was I was expecting I was going to get these like awesome shots of them playing around, jumping on a beanbag, and they just turned out blurry and not in sharp focus. It was my my wife actually asked me, "Did I get the right camera? Did I buy the right thing, or did I buy a crummy camera?" And I'm glad that I took the approach of saying, no, 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 I'm sure this camera is capable. It's me. It's got to be me. That's the problem. And I, I dove in and I, I went and found everything I could. I started diving in on the, on the internet and was trying so hard to figure out how to use the camera. Frankly, I'm a little concerned or that, that's what kind of is one of my factors into switching cameras that's preventing me from doing it because I've invested a, a lot of time in figuring out how to use the Canon cameras and I'm scared a little bit to kind of 
abandon that and go to a different camera, taking a step back and kind of uh, relinquishing, I guess, my hard earned hours towards that 10,000 by switching cameras. But that's not what your question was about. So my point is that we, we get too worried about the gear sometimes. And that's, it's 10,000 hours, it's experience, it's shooting, it's trying to do things that's going to help more than anything else. We're going to talk about more gear in a second, but that should not be the focus. Now, another problem I had when I was going through that and I was trying to learn how to use my camera was frustration in trying to even understand what instructors or mentors or articles or YouTube podcasts, whatever it was, trying to understand what they were even talking about. In a lot of cases, it sounded like they were they were speaking a foreign language. And it's one of the reasons that it's one of the things I strive for with this, this photo taco photography podcast is to try to make it be something that a quote unquote normal person can understand. I want to try to help people at that phase and make significant progress to improve their photography without having to, to drudge through this barrier of vocabulary and understanding what it is that people are talking about. So I hope I do a good job of that. I hope it makes sense to people as they're getting into this so that there's actual help there for someone who doesn't understand immediately what aperture, ISO, and shutter speed mean. The main thing though that I want you to take away, and I've said it before, I'm gonna say it again now, is that it sounds to me like you're at the beginning of your 10,000 hour journey. And as hard as it may be, you need to be patient. You need to give yourself some time to have things really kind of sink in, make sense, and connect. Um, Just as I'm convinced that 10,000 hours is a pretty good rule for mastering the skill, the rate of improvement at the beginning of a journey is going to be faster for some than others. Some may take enormous steps in the first couple of years, improving their photography significantly from the snapshots that they were taking before they actually invested in improving their skills. For others, it might be a little bit slower. We all learn differently, and maybe you just need to find the right teacher or the right website or the right YouTube channel, and it will click, and then you'll be able to make a massive jump when that finally happens. Now, so with the list of things that you kind of asked me to cover in this episode, um, I think you need to be careful how you judge your progress compared with others. I think there's another group of people out there who have a really fast start. They're making massive progress really fast, and then they hit a wall where they feel like they don't, they're not improving anymore. And that quick start might make them believe that they are the exception and don't need the 10,000 hours to master the skill. But then they hit the wall and they think they can get, I think they can get just as frustrated with a lack of improvement. So be careful comparing yourself with other photographers. It may be that someone learned it faster uh, and then they're going to hit a wall and get frustrated later. And maybe the frustration you're experiencing now will work itself out soon and you'll make, you'll, you'll be able to make really good progress. But just keep shooting, keep learning and keep at it. All right, with that said, I do want to share a few tips on what helped me to make progress with my photography. Like I mentioned, as I record this episode, I'm about through my fifth year of working on my photography part-time. So I can clearly remember being at the beginning and wanting to offer whatever I can in the way of advice to learn and improve your photography. To me, the very first thing 
is truly understanding exposure and how to set up your camera for getting the right exposure. Now, I'm sure you've heard the phrase exposure triangle being made up of shutter speed, aperture, ISO. There's lots of photo taco episodes where we talk about those things. You can go to improvephotography.com and talk about those things. But mastering those things so that you don't have to think about it anymore is a very critical first step in my mind. As an example, let me kind of walk through my thought process as I figure out exposure settings. So first off, it's not like I walk outside and I think, huh, it looks like um, f11 200th of a second right now. But learning how to arrive at the settings you need to create the photo you want, to me is the thing that takes you from amateur to something more, which means you really have to learn how to use the tools you have to get the right settings. I personally start thinking about aperture first. I know what happens with the shot at different apertures. So I know what aperture I want to use before looking at anything else. I know that a stopped down aperture, which means a higher number of stop like F8, F11, F16, those are stopped down aperture settings. Well, those produce, those settings produce shots where a big portion of the scene is going to be in focus. It's called a big, a large depth of field. You have a big portion of the scene that can be in sharp focus. Shooting the aperture wide open, on the other hand, is like the other extreme at a smaller numbered aperture like f3.5, f2.8, f1.8. Well, that produces shots that have very little of the scene in sharp focus, making it so that you can do a good job of emphasizing one part of the scene like you might do in a portrait. You want to get the person separated from their background by having the person in sharp focus and the background blurred out. So I know heading into creating a shot how much I want to have focus in the scene. And that tells me what aperture I'm going to start with. And then experience with my camera and my lenses leads me to know which aperture settings I want to start with. I know going into creating a photo what aperture setting I want. Then I have kind of an idea or a target range of the shutter speed based on what I'm shooting. If I'm hand holding the camera, I know to get sharp photos, I need to be close to about two times the focal length. Meaning if I'm shooting, let's say 50 millimeters and I'm not using a tripod, I know I can't go any slower than about one one hundredth of a second on the shutter or the shaking of my hands will affect the sharpness of the photo and it will be kind of blurry, something you can't do anything with in post. So I, I always start at ISO 102. And that's kind of how I approach those three settings. I take a guess at my settings and I'm getting better the more I do it at guessing what those settings are. I know what the aperture is gonna be. I know which what I wanna do there. I have a range of what I know I want the shutter speed to be. So then I guess I've set my settings. The next thing I do is I look through the viewfinder so that I can see the light meter in the little uh, in the viewfinder. That's that's the little window you put your eye up to, not the LCD screen on the back of your camera, although you can do it that way too. But I use the viewfinder most of the time. And I look at the light meter to fine tune my settings, see how close I got and change what I have to to try to get it. I know that I wanna shoot to the right. So I use the light meter in the camera to adjust my shutter speed or ISO, sometimes the aperture, but it's usually the shutter speed and if I have to, the ISO, so that I get between uh, one third and two thirds stops of overexposure. 
right? I just know by shooting and experience that that's what I want to do. But it's taken time to get there. It's taken a lot of shots for me to understand that how to target that. Then I take a test shot and I review it on the LCD. And when I'm looking at it on the LCD, I'm looking at focus and I'm looking at uh, the histogram of the shot because that histogram, it gives me w much more precise exposure information than the light meter inside the camera does. And if the shape of the histogram isn't what I want, then I'm gonna go further adjust my settings. I'm gonna fine tune my settings even more. Again, usually the shutter speed, but if the shutter speed's kind of the target, like shooting sports, I want a, a faster shutter speed, then I may change the aperture and uh, the ISO. And so, so that's kind of the process I'm going through. Like I'm already mentioned, that process needs to happen in like seconds in order to get a good shot and be better than an amateur. Um, you know, your, your smartphone and your point and shoot, or if you use auto modes on a camera, it's trying to do all of that for you. And sometimes it's gonna work out. Sometimes the scene is gonna be, you know, the dynamic range of the scene or what you're trying to shoot is gonna fit so that it works really well in the smartphone or it works really well in the auto modes of your camera. The thing that takes you then beyond that and beyond amateur is being able to change those settings yourself and being able to understand where you want to target it. It doesn't mean you can't do like semi-auto semi modes. I've talked about that on the podcast too. Aperture priority, shutter priority, those are okay to use too because you're still it's you're thinking about it and you want to give the camera a chance to do its job and it may fit in some situations to have an, a semi-automatic mode. But being comfortable shooting in manual mode, understanding the settings, understanding how to change them on your camera, I think that is the most important thing you can do to take yourself beyond amateur status as you're shooting. So if you're not there, just spend more time on that. Get more experience. And you can consider some other things too. You could consider doing a workshop or uh, at least going on like a photo walk or being around some other photographers so that you can get a different perspective. Maybe the reason you're not feeling like you're changing is that you're shooting the same way every single time. You're shooting the same thing and the same way, and it's not giving you enough experience to be able to understand how you need to adjust your settings on your camera to get good exposures in a wide variety of situations. And so trying to expand or do something different Maybe it's taking a hike somewhere so you have a different thing you're taking a picture of or try a different genre for a little bit. Even if it's not something you care to do all the time, stretching yourself and trying to get exposure to more situations would be something that might really help. All right, so like I already mentioned, being able to work through that in seconds takes you there. But being fully honest, to get where I can work through that process faster and faster with fewer mistakes it is still the primary thing I continue to work on today. I'm at the point now in my 10,000 hour journey where this process is actually kind of coming fairly naturally. And I don't have to think about it a ton, but I'm not nailing it every single time. I don't know if I ever will, but I got there by experience. I've changed the settings through the buttons and dials and menu systems, and I know where to go and what to change. I've trained my brain to know how to take the information from that histogram and immediately know what it is I need to change and how to change it. It didn't happen overnight. And again, it frankly, it concerns me about changing camera systems in taking a step backward on that. All right, with all of that said, 
While I do believe you need to do everything you can to get it right in camera, get as good a shot in the camera as you can, the reality of digital photography is that you have to spend some time post-processing. It means a photographer today has to do work on the computer. And this is where it, it could be that you have to spend an additional 10,000 hours for some if you don't have much in the way of skills using a computer. Now, as I say that, it's become really clear to me. There is a huge difference, and I love how you put it in your question, Joshua. Huge difference between trying to fix the photo on the computer and doing adjustments to photo on the computer. I have spent a huge amount of time trying to fix my photos on the computer. Maybe it has to do with my day job as an IT pro, which made editing the photos on the computer something I was much more comfortable with than working with settings on my camera. But I did. I went through this phase where I spent an inordinate amount of time trying to make something out of what was really nothing on my photos and fix them on the computer. And it turned out to kind of help me, I think. First off, I realized I'm fixing. I'm trying to fix the photos. I'm not adjusting the photos. And I need a better source. I need the original file coming out of the camera to be of higher quality because I was running into limitations on what I could do inside a Lightroom and Photoshop to try and fix the photo. You can't fix massive exposure problems. You can't fix massive focus problems. Those are all things that you have to get pretty darn close to right in camera or you just have no shot at making it something good in post-processing, no matter what software you're using. That software is improving all the time, and in Photoshop, you actually do have kind of a fixed um, movement kind of thing if it was the camera shake that caused the lack of sharpness in a photo. But it's all, it's, it's not fall-proof. It's, it's much better to get it right in camera. And so I think that really kind of helped accelerate my learning how the settings should be in the camera because I threw my efforts of post-processing on the computer. I could see where the limitations were and it made me think, oh, if I had changed the shutter speed a little bit, I think that would have really helped. And then the next time I went out, I could remember that I could change the shutter speed or aperture or using my focus points and the focus system correctly in the camera all of that kind of melded together as I was doing, attempting to post-process my photos, and it really helped accelerate me learning how to use my camera. So maybe the question then is, how do you get started on post-processing? I could see where this maybe isn't a fair experience for me. I've, I had a full-time day job working with computers for better than 22 years as I record this episode. And many of those years I spent like better than 80 hours a week. So I had, a, I had well over 10,000 hours of experience in developing a, and mastering some skills over computers. Now, none of that included Lightroom or Photoshop. So I still had to start from the beginning there. I wasn't familiar with any photo editing tools but I had a pretty good advantage starting to learn them. And I felt like I, I could teach myself pretty well the fundamental aspects of the software you know, fairly easily. With the free resources that are available on YouTube and podcasts and websites like improvephotography.com, I think a lot of people could teach themselves how to use the software, but they're gonna have to be patient and work through it, just like it's gonna take experience and time and, and trial and error on understanding and really incorporating, getting muscle memory for changing those settings in the camera. 
yeah, you kind of have to develop similar things with post-processing and, and it could take some time. If you're starting at a point where you're not super familiar with how to run a computer and how to use software, that could be really frustrating and challenging. And it could be even exacerbated more or made worse because you start with a poor shot and then you go into Lightroom and you're changing sliders or you're adding brushes and it just doesn't seem to be making a difference. And that could be super frustrating. So I, I could see where that would be a, a really big problem and maybe why you need to find the right teacher, the right uh, training class, right video, whatever it is. Maybe look at some paid resources to, to try that out and see if it helps. See if, if, connecting with what's supposed to work in Lightroom and supposed to help in Photoshop and seeing how it works on your photos, maybe that will help you like it did me in tr back translating to what you have to do in camera to make it work. Um, all right, so finally, let's address the part of the question Josh had about gear. He wanted to know recommended gear, especially first, second, and third lens purchases. Now, to me, it's a little unfortunate that there's so much emphasis on gear among photographers. I think we focus a little too much on gear on the Improved Photography podcast even. I think it's highly likely that at some point along the 10,000 hour journey, a photographer is going to get good enough that the gear is actually holding them back and that the gear will make a difference. But there's absolutely a difference. And I mean, there really is. There's absolutely a difference between the entry level equipment a hobbyist starts with and the gear that a full-time professional will invest heavily in. But, you know, I consider myself to be, I don't know, about a quarter of the way through the 10,000-hour journey, and I don't think I've hit that point yet. The exception to that is probably the lenses. The kit lens that comes with the camera is much less capable than more expensive lenses. My skills in photography definitely went beyond the capabilities of my kit lens, I think within the first two years. The kit lens wasn't fast enough, like it couldn't do a low f-stop number to really do uh, help you with low light situations. And I found out the low light situations are more common than I thought. So it struggled in those situations. And that was a, you know, maybe as much as a third of the type of photos I was trying to take. Then it struggles with quality issues like chromatic aberration and barrel distortion. And that becomes it really became apparent as my photos started to improve enough that I could actually see those things and notice them in my photos. When I first started and I was taking those pictures of my kids in my basement, the shots were so blurry, none of that mattered. It didn't matter the quality of the kit lens. It would have helped to have a fast lens. It would have helped to have the a lens that could go uh, f2.8 or lower on the aperture, more wide open on the aperture. But the other attributes of it that often get knocked on kit lenses, it didn't matter for a while because I wasn't good enough for that to be the reason that my shots weren't looking good. It was because I didn't have a good ability to do exposure. Um, all right, so I've written an article at improvephotography.com where I outline why it is a 50 millimeter prime lens should be the second lens a beginning photographer should buy. They're inexpensive compared with other lenses, yet they provide a significant improvement in quality over a kit lens. It can help you kind of to gauge where you're at in your photography, I think. If you buy that lens, they're, they're pretty inexpensive, which is why I'd say, you know, I'd even get it right at the beginning when you first get your camera uh, or, or very shortly after buying your camera because it can really help you to see if, if you put that lens on and you're shooting and you still don't see a, a pretty good improvement in image quality, 
then it means you got a lot more work to do with mastering your camera settings and get it so that you're comfortable getting good exposure settings. And it's a good indicator that it won't matter if you invest in a new camera body. It won't matter if you invest in way more expensive lenses. You aren't going to get more uh, or better quality results without spending more time investing in learning how to use the camera. Um, the third lens is harder to recommend because it depends on what you want to focus on with your photography. The good news is that by the time you're ready to get that third lens, uh, by the time you are to the point where you think, I really need another lens because I can't reach far enough, I don't have enough focal length, or I can't go wide enough, or, or whatever kind of limitation you're discovering, by the time you are reaching that limitation, you should have enough knowledge to make that decision yourself. You'll have enough knowledge to know, well, I really like landscape, so I need something that goes wider than I have today and has more quality with uh, barrel distortion and so on. Or you may think, oh, I, I just really need a zoom that can go a, a longer focal length so that I can do better with my portraits and, and get do a better job of separating the subject from the background. You'll be able to identify those things because you've learned enough about it that you can make the decision on your own what that third lens would be. Uh, a good 24 to 70, you know, there's, there's the, the trinity of lenses. So you can look that up and you can find out like 24 to 70, 70 to 200, 18 to 35. So, you know, somewhere in there having three lenses that kind of cover that full focal length is kind of what the, the goal is for photographers so that they can, they can adapt to every situation and, and have the lenses to choose from. And so, so that third one, which of those trinity of lenses do you get is going to be up to you, I think, when you have enough information to make that choice. All right. So here we are, I don't know, like 30 minutes into the podcast, and I probably only addressed about half of your question, Josh. I hope it helped, but we were out of time, so we're going to have to stop here today. Biggest point, again, don't give up. Just keep shooting. I'd also really love to hear from the listeners if you have other advice for Joshua, uh, you can comment on the post for this episode in the Photo Taco Listener Facebook group. That's a really great way to do that, I think. I'll post uh, a link to this episode in that Facebook group, and you can comment on that post. Provide feedback, maybe um, maybe describe the challenges that you've had and how you overcame them. Something in the way of help to try to figure out how to help someone get from amateur to something better than amateur as they're shooting. Don't forget to check out the other podcasts on the Improved Photography Network. Portrait, portrait Sessions, Tripod, Improved Photography. Also take some time to head over to the mothership, improvephotography.com for news, gear, and other photo tip articles. It really is the best way to improve your photography. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of improved photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a commission is earned. Olay!